this is Memorial Day weekend. You know, um, for some, this is about barbecues and about, uh, you know, having a day off work. But those that this uh, holiday was created for, those who sacrificed, made the ultimate sacrifice for our country, um, who have died, uh, this is a time when many families will be grieving at a graveside. They'll be, they'll be there um, remembering at a memorial of their fallen loved ones. You know, the Vietnam Wall is a, is a large monument, a memorial. You know, it's, um, <clears throat> it's something that's uh, a typical for us and not just our culture, but it goes way back. Clear back, the Egyptians were, you know, inscribing on tombs to mem- uh, memorialize those who they thought were important or important events. You know, have you ever been on a vacation where, you know, Jen and I went to, uh, we were blessed. We were so broke when we got married, but we got to go to Belize for 10 days, right on a little uh, K, a key. The way they spell it messes me up, a key. And so, you know, literally the only land attached to it, you had to like almost walk foot over foot to get there. And you could go out to your hotel room and you could see the ocean on one side and the ocean on the other and sand right up to the front door. And they put fresh cut tropical flowers in the room that smelled great. Cold air conditioning, small room. We didn't have much, but we had love, you know. <laughs> and we had island fried chicken, a whole chicken with extra crispy just fried. And you, you sat with your feet in the sand at this little hut of a restaurant. And it was good. And they're always trying to get you to drink rum punch. And we're like, no, we don't drink. We want rum punch? No, we don't want rum punch. But, you know, so we had those good memories, and we've been married over 13 years now. And we used to have this jar with the sand and little pebbles and things picked up, and seashells, right? And, and that was always a fond memory, and you look at that. And then after a while, it gets, you know, cobwebs in there, and you can't really clean out the sand. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what are we going to do with this, right? Have you ever been somewhere where good memories, you pick up a little pebble and put it in your pocket? Why do you do that? Somehow you think that that's going to bring remembrance, you know, of that, that awesome time you had and all the emotions and but uh, pretty soon, as life gets busy, it's just that little pebble sitting on that you keep moving when you dust and clean, right? And it doesn't just have the same effect. And next thing you know, the sand gets poured out because it's just, you know. And then next thing you know, the seashells are next to the house, part of the kid's rock collection that's not loud in the house anymore. And, and so it just doesn't have the same luster. But, but clear back to the times, we, we feel like we've got to memorialize or set up something to remember some great event or a great person in our lives. The title of today's message is Headstones. Headstones, but, uh, but not just focusing on the headstones of a grave, but uh, there's a, in Joshua chapter 4 is where we're going today. Recently in a message I brought up about the 12 stones the 12 tribes put to commemorate when they were able to cross across the Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant and God had parted the waters. And God wasn't trying to copycat what Moses did. It was uh, telling the people that what I did for Moses, I will do for your new leader, Joshua. That, that I'm still the same God that provides in that way. And so um, to commemorate this spot, God has them take these 12 stones from where the pe- priest's feet had been on the Jordan, on the dry ground, and move them to where they were going to camp to always signify what God had done. If we were to look in, and we're not going to turn there, but Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12, Moses issued a final warning to Israel just before they entered the promised land, said, Beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. How could you forget God parting waters and you watching Pharaoh's army be defeated? How could you forget that? Really, was it more about worrying that they would forget or they would forget to tell their children that weren't there? 
the ones born after that. The, the people, you know, the Vietnam Wall or other memories like this, they, they, they really, we think they're commemorated just to the people who experienced it, but, but really they're put there because the idea is we don't want any generation to ever forget the sacrifice that was made there. We don't want to ever forget what those people did because pretty soon they won't, you'll have people that have never met them, don't know their personality, don't know how great of a warrior they were or anything like that, but they're going to forget the sacrifice that was made. The meaning of the Hebrew word for memorial is to remember. That's literally the literal meaning of it. And given man's propensity uh, to forget, it's little wonder then that memorials have frequently played an important role in biblical history. I can tell you that forgetting can be a very painful thing. Since we've been in this building project, I've become more forgetful. Jennifer's having to be more more of a secretary, if you will, in a way, making sure things go on my calendar because I've had some important things I've forgotten and upset some people over it. You know, how could you forget, you know, for this? Or how could you forget that, you know? And you're supposed to be a pastor. You know, it's just the propensity in our fallen nature and our weakness to forget is great. And God knew that. And to counteract that, God tells them to make this monument. At the foot of Mount Sinai, Moses built an altar of stones to commemorate God's covenant with Israel in Exodus 12, 14. So it's not just a one-time thing God did this. This was very much God's character and nature to have his man build something to commemorate what God had done. Notice that according to verse 1, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord gave more specific instructions in verse 2 through 5. And this is what it says. Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe. Now, what would be the significance of that? What would be the significance of one man from every tribe? Well, these tribes lived, and their tribe, they lived and operated, sometimes a little different culture, a little different background for each one, uh, and they're all God's people, but it's important that not one people group would ever have a reason to forget. They were a part of it. A stone for every one of them so that they all had a part in it. It wasn't the story of that tribe and we were along for the ride. It was our story. Often that's what I'm concerned about in New Song is if you're here for months and months and this becomes your church home and you feel like you're here, I'm always afraid if you don't get involved in something soon, you get this me and them mentality when it's really supposed to be us. You tend to find that the seat is comfortable and uh, if you can handle the messages and everybody loves the worship, right? And, and, and so you get caught up in that and pretty soon you lose the identity of what God's called you here to do and that is to serve in some way, to use your giftings and talents. Once you sit long enough not doing that, well, I'll just tell you in a short time, almost seven years of pastoring and being a pastor's kid, I found out, guess where the problems in the church happen? are with those who aren't, don't have anything to do. I'm not saying every time. There's lots of people that they're busy and they don't get to get involved in a lot of things in church and they don't ever give a problem. They don't ever have a big, you know, to do with anybody. But often, more often than not, if there is a church fight, we've been fortunate not to have too many, or some one person gets upset with pastor or gets upset with one person, it's generally those folks who have been idle to a certain extent to where boredom. We talked about that recently that, you know, the, uh, what, idle hands is, trying to pull you in here because I talk fast, I'm losing some. Idle hands is a devil's workshop. 
It's true. And remember the recent message I talked about boredom breeds brawlers. I told you to write that down. Remember, boredom breeds brawlers. That you'll become a brawler some. <laughs> you'll become a cantankerous. You'll become that if you allow yourself to become bored in the body of believers. You go to any church where they've lost sight of reaching the lost and bringing young kids in to be able to pass the torch and disciple them, raise them up, and it's no more about bringing in that, that fresh new life and it's just about us having our music and our way and our that. You, you find those churches and you'll find plenty of people who are ready to go to Fifth City over the color of the carpet or, or uh, whether we're going to have this ministry or that ministry. So it was important that all 12 of the tribes had a representation in placing these stones so they all had buy-in into what God had done. The, the, the story wasn't about God doing something for some and not others, but for every one of them. And command them, saying, Take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Why was that important, to take it from where the priest's feet stood firm? On dry ground. Why is that place so important? Why couldn't you just find stones along the way somewhere? Just remind them of that. Because where they stood, the purpose was is that God's presence was going with them in the Ark of the Covenant. The priests were ushering that presence along with them. And so it was all about God's presence being with them. Not about them just making a cross. Not about just survival. Because this life is not what the point is. It's eternal life. It's being with God forever in His presence residing with us. So it was very important that part of the story would be that those stones came from where those men who were called to usher the presence of God along with His people where they stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men who he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. So again, you know, they go back. There's, there's several lessons that we need to learn from this passage, and one of which is what I've already stated, that it, this is to be a time of remembering what God has done. You don't want those future generations to not be taught or for people to forget, because what happens when you forget what God's done? You get yourself back in the same mess that caused Him to have to come and get you out of it to begin with. Isn't that interesting? God, God in His infinite wisdom says, I, I'm your provider, I, I'm your rescuer, I will come to rescue, but I don't want to create a spoiled brat that just gets himself in trouble all the time. It's not that I don't have the power to keep doing this, but you learn nothing if I let you keep getting yourself back in those messes. And so in Joshua, in that situation, is a little different than Moses. In Moses' situation, they're crossing over on dry land because they allow themselves to get in captivity. Why? Because they turn from God and they'd be captured by a, a, a pagan nation, you know, Pharaoh. And so... So we'd see this in their history. And so God's trying to say, look, it's very important that you do this as, as a remembrance because you need to learn from your mistakes. And you need to understand that when I show up in a mighty way like this, it's because I want to guide you in a better way of living. And that's with me and, com and communion with me. So first, this memorial stones were to be a reminder of their own personal experience but notice in verse 6 this memorial will cause their children to ask 
What do these stones mean to you? So, you know, as a kid growing up in church, sometimes we look at these stories, these accounts, and be like, well, that's great. God had him pile up some stones. What's the big, super significance of that? You know, a lot of God's word is just common sense if you look at it. I mean, God could have said, okay, every one of you, you know, stamp on your door or something, uh, uh, this story, or, or something at your home or whatever. You know, why, why these stones? Because how many have ever been to like Mount Rushmore? I've been when I was a kid, when he was younger. You've been to any like the St. Louis Arch, right? Now, when you go to St. Louis Arch and you drive by, like, oh, that is the St. Louis Arch. It's like half a McDonald's, right? <laughs> they should have just done the other one, right? And paint them gold. Make me think of those french fries, so good salty french fries. But then you go stand at the base of that thing and you look up at the immensity of that and all of a sudden questions come to your mind. How did they do this? Can you imagine those guys up there welding that high? All those plates? Can you imagine all that work? To, you see those things, right? Mount Rushmore. Can you imagine hanging off that nose, you know, picking the president's, former president's nose with a pickaxe? Can you imagine that? Some of you, I just can't rein you in at all. You're just, it's like I'm either talking way too fast or another language or something. I need to, I don't know. Um, but... You know, you, you look at that and the immensity of it, that those memorials, they, they cause a lot of questions. And that's what God was driving at because these younger generations that were going to come up, they're going to be walking along and be like, what are those stones for? What, why, did, why did our people do that? Can you imagine? You're not going to say, oh, well, so-and-so from that one tribe, he put it there to just remember what happened. They're like, no, God commanded that's where the, the, those stones came from, where the priest crossed on dry land. And they're going to look at those stones, they go touch them and be like, you're telling me all back then, like God that did that, and I could touch this stone that those guys actually pulled out of that spot and placed here? You can go to the arch and you can rub your hand against that metal and those welds. And even though it's been done all those decades before, that work still stands. And so there is an intensity, our intentional uh, bit of it, that God in common sense says, this is going to draw questions, and that's why, and then the word says it still is there today. I, I don't know where these stones are exactly, but somewhere today they still stand. And so it's always there to be something to say, there's some kid probably today passing by that spot. And unfortunately, because the world has turned from God in so many ways, there may not be somebody there to explain to him, but he's still going to walk by and be like, I wonder who piled those up there. Those look like they've been there a while. Not realizing what stones he's looking at. But that was God's intention. These stones are first of all to be a reminder of those who were present of, and their personal experience. What they saw, what they heard, and what they felt. They, they were to, for, for them to be able to tell their story. See, God designs many of our experiences in order for us to go tell others about them. They aren't done just to get you out of that hot spot you're in. They're meant for you to go tell of the goodness of God to others. That the testimony is the important part. And that's what God intended for this because that's how he perpetuates the hope, the story of the hope of the gospel to others is that he does something for you when you prayed and God helped you to find that new job. Or you prayed and that loved one got better. Or you prayed and that person still passed away, but they accepted the Lord before they did, and you know they're in heaven. Those were not done just for you to get your prayers answered, but God wanted you to tell the story and keep telling the story and keep telling the story. They were memorial stones in your life 
to perpetuate his goodness and the story of it to others. I want you to consider with me what kind of memorials do you have in your life? Whether you realize it or not, we all have memorials. Not a monument of stones necessarily, but one built of memories. Jennifer and I, when we moved into our little house in Bella Vista, and it was a mess. The people let animals run rampant in there, and she cried. We can't live here. It's horrible. And it was uh, structurally, it was okay. And we had to gut the place. And I mean, down to the floor joists. It was you could kick up subfloor. It was just nasty. And uh, you know, but there was this mysterious. Looked like grave in the backyard. There's this door, looked like a trap door. There's this door on the ground, grass growing around, all these easily placed stones around, it, and you open it up, and there's just wood chips, like cedar chips. I'm like, I don't want to dig to find out what they put under there. But I mean, why do you have a door on a grave? Um, maybe it'll come back to life, and then they can just open the door, right? <laughs> Finally, after a while, thinking about it, we figured that's probably their pet's bed, and the door was to keep the chips dry when it rained, and they just opened up the dog. I guess, Leon, we never really figured it out, but. It was kind of a weird, we're like, is that some kind of memorial, right? You ever been walking through the woods and find one of those old headstones that been like hand chiseled out, maybe misspelled words, you can tell it wasn't professionally done, but someone passed away there and someone did their very best to memorialize them. So whether you realize it or not, we all have memorials in our lives. There are memories of places that trigger memories just as the memorial stone in Gilgal. There are some significant places in your life that elicit memories. Like for me, the church in Nebraska, my dad pastored. It's where I was saved and baptized. At that church camp, there's a place where in the concrete, when I was probably Lily's age or younger, the groundskeeper there, Wayne um, Smith, he was just kind to me. And my parents would be working and no other kids play with sometimes, getting ready for camp. He let me follow him around as he did little chores and this stuff. Well, he poured some concrete, and at that little age, let me put my hands in that nice concrete. You know, normally you want to brush it and have it look all nice, but he let me put my hands. And so we'd go back to visit as an adult, and I'd see those little handprints and initials. And I even had one of our RV MAPS volunteers that were helping us build the church. They left here and went to the camp in Nebraska. I said, go to this place and look for my handprints. Those are mine. He, Wayne Smith never thought of a 44-year-old man standing before a congregation talking about how much that made a difference to him at that age, let me put my hands in that and having a memorial to go back and remember all the things God did in my life there. But we have those memorials. We just don't always give them the credit for what they are. I remember Rogers First Assembly of God Church in Rogers, Arkansas, right next door to us, just down the road. Um, you know, this place is where as a teen, I, I was saved over and over again because as teens, you know, sometimes you're, you feel like you lose your salvation every week. And so, you know, I'm always feeling guilty. And, but, but that was a place I was filled with the Holy Spirit while I was there and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so there's, there's so much there. That's where me and my wife, when we got married, we moved here. That's the first church we settled into. We always joke that we're kind of trapped because what happened is I grew up in that church and I decided when I come back, let's, when we move here, let's go somewhere new because everybody thinks of me as a kid there. And then we'll go... And while we were gone on our honeymoon, they did an extreme makeover on our house and got it all ready for tile and painted and, and did that. And then they had a, the boys a baby shower. So we're like, they're loving us so hard. We're like, I guess this is where we're going to church now. <laughs> like, how do you not go? And uh, so word to the wise here at New Song, you love on people and they stick around. This was the first place I was where I was called to preach. 
at the altars there. And that's where I preached my first sermon. But it reminds me of things God has done in my life. And you no doubt also have things in your life that hold that place that God, God reminds you that He did something in your life. So there are memorials of people, people that encourage me to go into ministry. Those are like stones in my life that are there always. And as I think of them, it brings back all those memories of God calling me. You know, my dad is, came to first service and I, I've heard him tell stories and you know, I'll remember people from the church in Nebraska or other places he ministered. And, and um, you know, some of them they still know and stay in contact. And, and God did something mighty in their lives and through the ministry of the church. And so they're forever connected with him. And that brings back a lot of good memories. And then I look at people in our church. In first, pers- uh, first service, I used Johnny as an example, that we prayed for Johnny Arnold. And Johnny was there raising his hands this morning. And, you know, this isn't meant to embarrass anybody, but encourage. But, you know, I look back at Don because I prayed, I prayed for his family. I prayed for him. And Don's got his hands raised. And, and numerous members of his family raising their hands and worshiping the Lord. And, and those are the memorial stones for me. Not, not some book that I might, like I might write down the road. Nothing wrong with pastors writing books. Not a building that we built. You know, yes, I've blood, sweat, and tears out there. But it's not the building that will be m- my memory, my legacy. It's the people and the lives of the people and what's changed. Those will be those memorial stones for me. And I know that you have those in your life as well. I remember Bible college and how God provided for me. You know, at at Bible college, if you didn't have your whole bill paid or at least financial aid for it, at the end of the semester, you couldn't take your finals. And I'd be down to the wire needing money. I remember one year I needed 1,200 bucks and there was a hailstorm came and totally almost demolished my... 1986 baby blue Honda Accord. I mean, that was my Ferrari. I mean, I drove it that way. It was like, Ken knows. I used to detail it. I'd take Q-tips and, and arm roll. I'd pull, I'd even take the vents out and I'd clean in there. And I mean, it stayed immaculate because that was my sports car, <laughs> my Honda Accord. And, and it hit it and I thought, man, God, what's going on? I don't have money for my bill. Well, the insurance. They, they paid like they were going to have the whole thing, all the hood, out the top replaced. And then I found this paintless dent removal place and it cost half of that. So I had this money and it was enough to pay my bill. So I'm thinking, that's awesome. Well, the next year I came in the same spot and guess what happened? Another hailstorm. And the Honda paid for my next one too. So, you know, um, then I've handled insurance at Walmart and I understand now that that's not the way insurance is supposed to work, but it worked then for me. But how often do we sit and think about the memories and thank God for those people and those things that he did where he came to our rescue, where he, he you know, often at funerals, and if I do funerals, especially for people who don't attend the church, you know, you'll, I've mentioned this before, you'll see people come in and say, you know, Grandma will want me in church, and that shakes them up enough, they come in, that memorial of the life that their grandparent or whatever lived for the Lord, and it doesn't take too long, like that little pebble, not trying to compare grandmas to little pebbles, but just like that little pebble you pick up on that vacation, after a while, the emotion and everything, it starts to wear. And it's not enough. But see, when God does something miraculous in your life, He wants you to set some kind of memorial there to always remember what He did because it's not to point to the event itself. It's not to point just to your rescue, but the fact that the presence of God was with you in that moment. 
And so many times we focus on old revivals. You know, those that grow up in church are like, I just wish it would be like it was in the good old days. And we'd have revival like that. Well, God's not wanting to just keep repeating those same things again. He wants something to do something new and fresh in the new generations coming up. And what we got to focus on is not those past events, but the fact that we need the presence of God with us always, every step of the way. And we need certain memorial stones, some pillar in our life to say, this is where God was walking with me daily, and I want to always remember that, but not just remember it, but I want to keep doing that, and I want to teach it to my children. There's so many mementos of the past. If you look at my old photos, I've had, when I went to Honduras on a missions trip, I was there for an internship, three months. I've got photos just hundreds of them and slides I had to take. They required me to take so many photos. I've got a photo of this little boy, Carlos, that they didn't have any money. They were in a little mud hut. They didn't have cell phones and the Internet and Facebook. They didn't have any of that. But they had their family, and they had a guitar, and they had voices to sing to the Lord, and they sat out till sunset in the evenings just playing and singing to the Lord with all their heart. And he had the most beautiful voice. And I used to think back then, I was like, man, I'd love to, I captured some of it, you know, recorded on a tape recorder to bring back. I thought, man, this kid could get discovered. He could be like American Idol. You know what? It, it wasn't important about capturing that as a memorial as it was to remember that God's presence was there with those people just like he is with me. And that if I allow him to, he'll make the only thing important being his presence with me. Not, not all these other things we get entrapped with. The point is that God knows how we think and that that's the reason he instructs Joshua to build a memorial. So that each time the Israelites saw it, they would be reminded that they had not crossed the Jordan on their own ability, not on their own strength, but because God did it. So I challenge you to spend time in your life thinking through the memorial stones God's put there, those things, those experiences, those people that God has placed there to remind you of how sweet it was to have his presence with you. I remember, um, and I didn't share this at first service, but I remember a time in my life I'd ran from God, and it's when I got hooked up with the whole motorcycle club thing, and Springfield just went from living for the Lord to living like the devil. And I remember all that brokenness piling up and me getting jaded and thinking I had everything in control. And I got to a point where I didn't have a, a real good job, and so I started doing a little handyman stuff on the side with no experience. I don't even know what gave me the idea. I didn't even have a lot of tools, you know, just I'm going to do handyman stuff. And someone took a chance on me. It was a Christian man that owned a high-end furniture store in an old part of Springfield, Missouri, an old store there. And his, his twin daughters worked there, his, his, uh, one of the, uh, his sons, whole family. And early in the morning before they'd open up, they had a, a sound system in there, and they were cranking up. Back then, Hillsong was new. They're cranking up all these worship songs. And I would try to walk through that back door and I'd feel the presence of God in that place, in that place of business. And I wouldn't make it 10 steps before I'd start looking for some kind of little hidden place to get back and just sob. They had no idea the impact because what they were doing is they, had, they, were, they were putting something there that was a memorial stone of when the presence of God was in my life and I could commune with him daily. And I had no communion with him and my heart cried out for it. My heart wanted it so bad. And so many times in our lives, we push and push against totally letting go. Like the song says, everything. I'll raise my hands, Lord. I'll get down on my face in the floor if I have to. We, we don't, we don't want to go that far with it. But what God is calling out to our hearts is, I want to create that moment in your life that forever will be that marker that says you can have my presence with you always if you
you'll just totally let go. The second thing I want us to understand about this, it, it was a time of renewing personal commitment. That's what those were also meant there because every time it was passed, it wasn't just about telling the story. It was about telling the story and that God's presence was the reason that that story happened, that, that God's presence was with them. But, but even more so, that every time they passed that, it was to say, look, I know that we live in a sinful world. I know that I have the propensity to forget what God's done for me and to mess up, and I need to recommit myself every time I see that. And so there's things like Pastor Jim's Bible next to my door when I pass it. It's a recommitment when I see that. Lord, I didn't start this church. It's not mine. You can replace me in a minute. While I'm here, it will not die on my watch with your help. And that's why I might mess with a pastor when all of a sudden everybody goes on vacation one week and there's nobody in the seat. You're like, oh, great. What did I do? What did I do? You start thinking of the negative stuff instead it just might be everybody's on vacation. The weight of that responsibility of making those commitments to the Lord and holding to them. Thirdly, I want to just bring it to this is that it was to be a time of rolling away old defeats. And here's what's important for the children of Israel, for the people, is because in their history with having Moses and them going to the promised land and, and them taking 40 years of wandering, you know, and, and it seemed like every time God laid out a simple plan, they made it complicated. And, and it was to tell them that, listen, I'm the same God that led Moses out. I'm the same God that will lead Joshua. And if you'll trust me and trust my plan, then, then I, I will make sure that Anything that you have done to mess up in the past can be forgotten and left alone. And so many times the enemy will use others, even Christians sometimes, to try to remind you of past defeats. Well, you, you can't really uh, do anything at New Song. You can't really do anything in the church because of what you've done in the past. Maybe it's what you did last week. And the enemy will lie to you and say you can't do this. You know, pastors are susceptible to that too. It wasn't all that long ago I had somebody remind me of, of past mistakes and it'd like to pull the wind out of me and just say, what am I doing? I, this is a facade. I can't lead this church. I mean, I mean, all this stuff that's happened, I'm just really lucky we got this far. You know, the enemy's just filling your head full of stuff. And so these stones, these, these memorial stones were to be a reminder that it's a time of rolling away old defeats of leaving the past in the past and saying, you know what, I did, I messed up, but God's forgotten it because he's forgiven me, and the only person trying to remind me is the enemy, and I've got too much to do to be reminded of my past failures. And finally, the last thing I want you to understand about this is, is this. When we have a Memorial Day, as we will tomorrow, and not to take away from from if you had a loved one that gave the ultimate sacrifice or someone has passed away. But really, is that headstone really supposed to be just a reminder of death? Of that day that they died? You know, they got the little dash mark. Here's when they born and they died, and there's a little dash mark. Is, is it really to just kind of negate the dash and say, well, this is when they started and ended? Or is it more of a reminder that because of the way they lived, or because of my love for them is to spur me on to live my life in the way that I should live. That's what Jesus did on the cross. See, when he had the Last Supper, he said, every time we do this, do this and remember to me. But he wasn't saying, remember the fact that I'm going to the cross only. 
Otherwise, he wouldn't have even bothered to tell them greater things you'll do than I did. The point was is that I'm doing something. I want you to remember what's done, not to focus on the death, but on the resurrection, on what's to come, on your role, on your future, on you bringing new life where there's been death, of you following in my footsteps. Everything Jesus did from being an example of baptism in water to, to what he did on the cross and raised again was to point to us and say, listen, quit focusing on just the death and what's past and what's done and focus on what I've laid ahead of you. The only thing you need those memories for, those memorials to say, God was with me through that and he'll be with me again. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. So those memorials that we have in our life, those, those things are not to, not to keep us focused on the death and the destruction, but what God has set before us. And that is to have life and have it more abundantly and for our keep our eyes focused on the prize, which is eternity with him and taking as many as we can with us. And that is the gospel story. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you on this Memorial Day weekend that God, while uh, many will have barbecues and that's fine and fellowship is great and drawing closer together and closer to you, Lord, that's all good and no one should feel guilt for having that time of rest in our busy society with work and all the pressures we have, we don't slow down enough. So Lord, I just pray blessings on all the togetherness on Memorial Day weekend. Families, I pray it be blessed and keep the enemy from causing any strife. But Lord, even greater than that is eternity ahead of us and the real focus. Just Lord, as you low, as that man was lowered through the roof in your scripture and everybody's focused on his healing. And Lord, first you spoke to the spiritual needs. Right now, Lord, I speak to the spiritual needs here. If you're here this morning with every head bowed and eye closed, and you say, I need to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus to follow him. Like we sang, I give everything my all. I need to be sold out 100%. Maybe I've done that commitment in the past and the enemy's trying to tell me right now that I'll fail again, but I'm going to trust the Lord. I say, I'm going to trust the Lord that those past defeats aren't there to keep me defeated, but to remind me that God carried me through and he'll carry me through again and he will meet me where I'm at. If you're here this morning, I want you to just raise your hand and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to either recommit my life to him or I want to make a, a new commitment to Him. just want to wait a few minutes. If you're here and you say, I just, in whatever way I've, I've failed in the past, but I'm ready to lay that behind me and, and start afresh and anew with Jesus leading me. For everyone else here, I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment myself. And I'm going to explain that prayer commitment before we pray it. And if you're willing, you can pray that with me if you're, if you're wanting to make the same commitment. I'm going to pray that the Lord will help me, that I no longer look at the trials or the struggles or the times that He's got me through where I've failed or whatever it's been as simply a failure or as a past event, but look at as memorial stones to build on. That God is wanting me to set my heart on those things that He has done and not forget them and teach them to my children and my grandchildren and to always be telling the story of what God has done and his faithfulness for me. So this is what I'm going to pray and you can pray with me. Lord, I come to you today in need of a change of mind and a change of heart. 
God, I need to not be focused on the negative or the things that are that are seem to be holding me back in life. But Lord, look to those moments that I know your presence was with me and I know that you are faithful and I want to trust you that God, I will remember what you have done not just as a memorial, but God, as a reference for my future. That I will keep pressing on and I will trust you that you will come through time and time again that God, I will take those lessons that you've taught me and keep applying them and keep drawing closer to you and, and becoming more and more like you. And Lord, I, I take on that challenge to be more and more like you. Help me every day, every breath, every waking moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here, and I love you guys. We're, uh, we're just so excited for what God's doing, and uh, both in the spiritual realm and also what we're seeing take place for our new campus. So I challenge you, be a part of what's going on. And I will see you Wednesday, if not before.